Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm Dr. Lance Meller. I'm thrilled that you're here with us this week. Our guest today is Dr. Doug DePew, who's going to talk with us a little bit about hiring and training employees, getting them up to speed in our office quickly and efficiently in a systemized way. And I'm really excited to bring him on the podcast to talk a little bit more about that. Before we get into the interview, I wanted to share with you guys a thought that's been on my mind this week, and this is really a mindset shift that I've had over the last couple of years that's really helped me in our practice. And the question that I would ask is, what is the optimum way to keep your clinic running efficiently and on time? And most orthodontists and consultants would answer that the clinic and the schedule need to be set up in a way to keep the most important piece of the puzzle, the doctor, productively working at all times. We even have a self-important name for this concept, doctor time scheduling. We set up our systems so that the doctor never has to wait. And to a certain extent, it makes sense to have everything revolve around the person who has non-delegable skills or knowledge. But my experience has been somewhat different. And what I find is that in practice, as the doctor, I am more often the problem rather than the solution when it comes to running on time. In other words, while I may never have to wait, I am constantly making other people wait. And when my team has to wait, my patients have to wait, and the whole office starts to run behind. Nothing is worse than having all of the chairs in your clinic full of patients, I'm sure we've all been there, patients and assistants idling, just sitting there in anticipation of the orthodontist's arrival. That's, that's never a good place to be. So to combat this problem, I have shifted my focus And I now believe that the optimum way to keep your clinic running efficiently and on time is for the orthodontist to ensure that the team is working productively at all times. And this requires me to be a bit more engaged with the flow of the office and to look for ways to help keep things moving. So perhaps I can check a patient before the wires are removed if I know I'm about to go into a new patient exam. Maybe I need to do some non-doctor jobs, put my ego aside, help turn over a chair or set up for a same-day start or look at what's going on with sterilization. Instead of retreating to my office to work on paperwork or call a referring dentist, I can stay on the floor to see what needs to be done next and where I can help. And I try to view myself in a supporting role, looking for ways to help my team and facilitate the smooth operation of our clinic. To be sure, patient flow is a complicated issue. There are other factors to consider that can't really be addressed here. You could revisit your procedure codes and scheduling grids or hire a clinical coordinator. Those are all great things. But if you want immediate improvement, start with changing your mindset. Infuse a little humility into your attitude and realize that when you focus on keeping your team working productively at all times, instead of them waiting for you, your practice will instantaneously start running more smoothly. Hopefully that's helpful for you guys. Now a quick word from one of our sponsors. Did you know, according to Gallup, only 32% of employees are actively engaged at work. The average orthodontic practice generates between $155,000 and $185,000 in revenue per employee. Yet companies like Google and Apple earn between $1 to $2 million per employee. The question is why. Most employees discover only a fraction of their true potential. As orthodontists, we are often to blame for creating an environment where they can't succeed. 
If you lead or manage an orthodontic practice and you want to boost engagement and revenue per employee, please check out the Team Leader Boot Camp with Burleson Seminars. This is a live event in Kansas City on May 18th and 19th, where you'll receive the best tools and templates to instantly boost engagement and revenue. Yes, you can generate more than $450,000 in revenue per employee. Burleson Seminars can show you how. Now is the time. Visit BurlesonTraining.com to reserve your seats and use promo code ELEVATE to save 10% on your order. That's BurlesonTraining.com and promo code ELEVATE. Today, our guest on the podcast is Dr. Doug DePew. Dr. DePew is an orthodontist practicing outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He's been in practice since 1990. He's a graduate of the University of Georgia, received his dental degree from the Medical College of Georgia, and a specialty certificate and master's degree from Baylor College of Dentistry. Dr. DePew is also the founder and academic director of Trapezio, which provides formal training for orthodontic staff members and is endorsed by the American Association of Orthodontists. As the program creator, Dr. DePew is frequently invited to speak at professional meetings around the country and overseas. Dr. DePew is also proud to serve on the AAO Council on Technology. I'm excited to have Dr. DePew on the podcast today so we can talk a little bit more about hiring and training new employees. Dr. DePew, welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. Thank you, Lance. It's great to be here. I understand you're out west skiing. That's my favorite pastime. How's the snow in Colorado? It's great. We, we had snow last night about six inches and about four inches the night before, so it's been great. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Skiing's wonderful. It's not crowded at all. That's the beauty of midweek. I love being out there in the middle of the week. It's fantastic. So good. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk today, Doug, a lot about training and education for orthodontic staff. But let's begin by hearing a little bit about you and your practice. Tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Well, I, I live and practice in northwest Georgia, north of Atlanta, a couple suburbs called Kennesaw and Ackworth. And I've been in practice for 28 years. I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. And as you'll see, I'm passionate about training staff as well. We have three kids all grown out of the house and uh, two are married and two grandkids. I also have one son. One of my sons is in dental school now. So hopefully he'll be joining me in a few years. Hobbies and pastimes. I, I enjoy being outside, camping, hiking, hunting. I do race and train quarter horses. That's kind of my, my main pastime. That's my life. What does your practice look like today? How much are you working? It sounds like you're out of two different offices. Yeah, we have two offices. I have a staff of 17. I do have an associate doctor who works full time. And it's really made my life a lot easier because I, I have my hands in so many things. So I, I see patients three or four days a week, and, and she sees patients three or four days a week, and we, we manage everything just fine. And it's been great having an associate, for sure. Well, like we said, we're going to talk a little bit about training orthodontic team members. And I'm assuming for you that this grew out of probably a need you had in your practice or, or something that you felt like you needed to work on for your own staff. Absolutely. This happened when I was still quite young in practice. I'd been in practice for eight or nine years, and my practice was growing quite rapidly. I had kind of an epiphany one day. We were growing rapidly and I had to keep hiring people and, and it's hard finding people who were trained and we trained them and we we're so busy. It's hard training them. And so one day I had a situation where I was looking around the clinic and I noticed in chair number five, I had my brand new assistant who had been there for two weeks and she was working on my, my wife's best friend's daughter. And I had a hot flash. I was terrified. She would slip and hurt the child and I'd never had the end of it. So I said, something has to be done because I realized that there was no formal structured training for orthodontic team members. And so that's how it started. I spent, oh, probably a year and a half creating the material for the orthodontic assistant course. Of course, grown since then to other programs as well. We became certified by the state of Georgia as a vocational school. And we actually offered classes in our office. It was an eight-week course. We had didactic training in the morning and then hands-on training in the afternoon. And I did that for a few years. 
Um, we actually branched out. We were in seven states at one time in other doctors' offices. And uh, then the internet came around and we decided to go online with it. So we're primarily an online-based course now. Awesome. Well, well, actually, let's back up a little bit and talk maybe about hiring. Should orthodontists be looking to hire people with experience, you know, orthodontic experience in order to maybe expedite the learning curve? Or how can you even tell when you hire someone if they're amenable to learning what you want to teach them? Well, my recommendation is, and the way I do it in my practice is, we, we only hire experienced assistants if they knock our socks off. They've got to be dynamite, perhaps referred by their former employer. You know, I'd much rather hire somebody based on personality and drive and train them myself. And that's what I've been doing for many, many years. And it's worked out great for us. Yeah, I think that that seems to be a common refrain among people who have who have tried all different ways here. Oh, yeah. You you started this course, the Academy of Orthodontic Assisting, which now operates under the name Trapezio. Tell us a little bit about who your clients are today. How is the program being used by orthodontists? As you mentioned, we started off as a company called the Academy of Orthodontic Assisting. And as we branched into other areas of the practice, front desk and TCs and other things, we rebranded our corporate name to Trapezio, so it could be all-encompassing. When we started off as a, as a classroom-based class, where primarily people wanted to get into the profession. There are dental assistants who, who want to learn orthodontics. They want to step in the, in the door to get into the profession. There are people that were just looking for a job. Often they were you know, recent high school graduates, or people that just could not handle college, and they just wanted to get into the profession. And so, you know, in Atlanta, we trained over 300 people in just a few years, pretty much saturated the market. Since recession of 2008, our focus has changed. And our focus now is that our primary clients are now doctors, orthodontists, who bring our program in to train their team members. And that's been fantastic. You know, one thing I really like about what you guys are doing is I think it provides a framework for people to kind of hang their knowledge on. I've, I have this theory, or maybe it's not my theory, but I, I think that in order to learn, you've got to connect a new piece of knowledge with something that's already existing in your head, a mental framework that you already possess. And I think sometimes when we hire orthodontic team members, lots of times we're just kind of throwing random facts at them and, and hoping that they stick somewhere. Sure, right. And as you know, training assistants or training team members is very time-consuming takes either the doctor's time or the trainer's time away from them, you know, that's, that can be disturbing the practice flow and efficiency. Yeah. You know, th- this program helps alleviate that stress on the doctor and the team members who, who train. What it does is it, is it really shortens learning curve so that you can bring somebody in and within the first three months of employment, the probationary period, you can know whether they're a keeper or not based on how they do with the tests and that kind of thing. You can learn a little about their drive, their ability to, to learn, their ability to follow instructions. Being out here skiing right now, I have a great analogy I thought about on the lift yesterday. Here's an analogy, Lance. When you go skiing, okay, and you take along with you maybe family members, maybe in-laws or friends, and you get to the ski resort, you find that, that one of them has never skied before. What is the best thing to do? Hire an instructor. Yeah, put them in ski school for the day, the first day, right? <laughs> Don't try to teach them yourself is, is where I'm going with exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> yes, put them in ski school, right? Yeah. In a day, they'll have fundamentals down. They'll be able to ski. They'll be able to ski, ski the blue slopes, not the black, but the blue slopes after a day. And it just shortens learning curve where you don't have to train them. They don't have to follow you around. You don't have to follow them around all four days because they'll get the fundamentals down in the first day. And so for the other two or three days you're there, everybody's having a great time. My wife, when I met my wife, she didn't know how to ski. Now she does. <laughs> and, and the reason why she can ski and we have an existing relationship <laughs> is because I never once tried to teach her anything about skiing. Yeah. And I, no, I use the program myself, obviously. Of course, it's free to me. But um, I use it for all my new hires. And we actually give them access to it before they even start the job. Um, once we offer them a position, they can start learning right away. And they can come on the job and be working on patients pretty quickly. I'll give you a story. My, my son, Ryan, he's now in dental school. 
But as a teenager, he worked in the practice doing sterilization. After a while, he started doing spacers on patients. He started doing impressions and, and x-rays. And that's all he did through his teen years. And then when he was in college, he'd come back during the holidays and, and do the same kind of thing in the summertime. Between his junior and senior year of college, that spring, he called me and says, Dad, I want to work in the practice this summer. Because by then, he had applied to dental school. He just wanted you know, the experience, right? And so he said, I want to work in the practice this summer. And I said, great. Could come back and do the impressions and the spacers and the x-rays. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I want to come work on patients. And I said, wow. And I said, Ryan, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send you the, the access to the course. You take the assisting level one course between now and graduation. And if you pass it, you can start working on patients day one. Okay. So he busted his butt for the last month or two of school. And along with finals, he's, he's taken the AOA level one course. He's taken the exams that go with it. He took the last exam at the airport on the way home. He came in, in the practice Monday morning, scrubs on, working on patients. And there's no way he can do that otherwise. It was amazing. I was just totally flabbergasted. So when you hire an assistant, are there checkpoints or timelines? What time frame do you expect someone to be able to get up to speed and to really be able to contribute in the clinic? Um, within, within three months. And many of the skills they can do right away, but some of the skills it takes a little bit more time to, to learn them and be able to do them. You know, we've been working in our office to get our assistants certified through the AAO. They have the Specialized Orthodontic Assistant Program. And at one point, we had 100% of our assistants that had that certification. But we've had a few new hires that we're trying to get up to speed. But I really thought that our team members were really proud to kind of complete another level of training. And I think there's value there for even experienced assistants to do something like your program or the AAO's program. I'm not sure how they're different or similar. Well, I'll tell you what, they're definitely interrelated. The AAO program, known as the Specialized Orthodontic Assistant Program, also a BCP Voluntary Certification Program. I was very involved with developing that. And it's really a certification program, which is a test. And all the test questions, guess who developed those? Me, myself, and I. <laughs> Their questions are right out of our exams. And the certification was, was developed as a way to have a national level of certification that people can go from doctor to doctor to doctor, they move or whatever, and say, you know, I'm SOA certified. And that means something. Yeah. And we even have three of the supply companies, major supply companies, they have all their new sales reps go through our training as well. And so they are SOA certified. Interesting. So all the training we've been discussing is kind of didactic, I guess. We, you do it online, you do it through quizzes and modules and those sorts of things. But what about like hands-on element? I mean, do you think people should be practicing on a typodont? How can you tell if your assistant has good hand skills? I mean, how do you make that transition from the online or the didactic to the practical? Well, we do have available typodonts that you can purchase for your practice. And along with that comes a mentor's guide. So that the mentor in the practice, whether it's a doctor or trainer, can help them go through that on a weekly basis and basically test them and observe them on their skills. We do often do hands-on training as well ourselves at the AO. We have hands-on classes every year. Occasionally, we do them here in our office and, and uh, have hands-on training as well. You know, really, the best thing to do is, is to have them use your equipment, your flyers, your brackets in your office. You know, it just saves so much time if they learn the didactic part online by themselves and learn the hands-on part with the help of a trainer in your office. It just saves everybody time. Do you recommend having a trainer, a dedicated person who's kind of responsible for that person? What, what does that process look like in your office? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend having a dedicated trainer that has reviewed the material that you trust that can help you and, and act in your place to help them get through the material. You know, one point I wanted to make was, you know, on the job training by shadowing or, or whatever, doctors complain it's, it's just not effective or not as effective as it could be. An analogy I sometimes use on that is, if you remember the, the game when we were kids or even as adults, there's a, there's a party game where, where the first person tells the second person something, and then it's passed on to the line to, to, you know, 12 people later. And what comes out of the 12th person is nothing like the first person. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about, right? Oh, yeah. And I've seen this over and over again in practices. The trainer will train somebody, 
They'll either practice and then that person becomes a trainer. So these things get passed down and passed down, passed down. Before you know it, the person you're working with today is doing things incorrectly. You know, for example, there's one proper way to tie a Kobe tie. And I guarantee you, you go to any practice in America and half assistants don't know how to tie a Kobe tie because they're shown improperly. Right. Another example is the finger rest. You and I learned in dental school how important finger rest is, what it's for, and how to do it properly. How many of our assistants were taught by another assistant how to use a finger rest? Again, walk into practice and observe the assistants, and they're freehanding elastic removal. Another example is elastics. Quiz your assistants. What's a class two band? What's a class three band? What's the difference? What are they for? What do they do? What are they used? What are complications they're used at the wrong time? You know, all those things. These are all trained in the course. So the assistants can help the doctor make decisions. It's just really helpful to have people with that kind of knowledge. Yeah, we, we definitely get those times in our practice where I look at something that's being done and I think, how did you decide to do that? And they're like, oh, that's how I was told. And, and then that was person was told by someone else. And then we have to kind of have this like, okay, it's time for an assistance meeting and we've got to go over and like, exactly. like re-standardize. But a little bit the problem with that, though, honestly, is that sometimes by the time you catch the problem, it is pretty ingrained already. And it's going back and like getting people to develop a new habit sometimes is difficult rather than getting it right the first time. Sure. The point being, you want a assistant who knows the material and is motivated to learn it and continue learning. I even have doctors who, you know, we, we require a 75% score to pass, but I have clients who require their staff to have a 90%. I have one client who requires a 100% total score to be able to, to continue employment. Fortunately, 100% sounds kind of harsh, but you think about it, we want our assistants to know all the material, not 75% of it. So, you know, you mentioned this scenario where you had your new assistant working on the child of your wife's friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the other situation that, that we've got to kind of balance when we're training new people, this concept of how do we get someone the kind of hands-on experience working on patients, but do it in a controlled way in which everyone feels comfortable, that the person doing it knows what they're doing. As someone's kind of making that transition to working on live patients, do you have any advice? Well, what we do is we have them work on kids. As adults, of course, they kind of can pick up on if somebody's new. You know, if we can have work on, on, on friends, siblings, children of, of the doctor or the staff members, children, that helps as well. And you start off slowly with the simple skills first, the elastics, compressions. Start off simple and, and kind of gradually get into things. It seems to work pretty well. So we've had several guests on the podcast talk about clinical photography, taking photos maybe at every visit or at key checkpoints sure. and how useful that can be for many reasons, but one of which is training. Is this something you guys have used in your practice or something that kind of helps showcases and, and get people up to speed with what's going on in your treatment floor? As far as my practice goes, we take photographs, of course, at the required times, beginning and you know, pre-surgical, but we also take them, as you mentioned, at, at key points in treatment. Or we take them when we have something to discuss with the parent or with the dental dentist. Any patient will have at least four or five, six sets of pictures throughout the treatment. You know, that's something that I feel like we've tried to implement a little bit, taking photographs a little bit more regularly. But more importantly, I've been starting to sit down with the assistants and kind of show them cases prior to treatment and and ask them what they see and talk about it and have them ask me questions. And I think that tends to be a useful exercise as well. That's great. Allowing them to think a little bit more about how do we attack and approach a, a problem as well. That's fantastic. Do you have monthly training meetings with your staff, with your team members? It's interesting. We were doing monthly meetings. Where we're at right now is actually we've gone to a longer morning meeting. And so I'm doing kind of smaller 10 to 15 minute segments every morning. And we trying to train on different things, whether it's how a procedure is going or maybe it's a marketing initiative or we look at how to diagnose cases 
we've kind of gone through a number of frequently asked questions that have been put together by our team that they're getting all the time and how do we answer those properly. So uh, we've been using kind of our, our morning meeting time to do that, and it's been pretty useful. That's an interesting approach. And you think of, you've heard heard the story of, of sharpening the saw, right? And you've got to stop once in a while and retrain or review. We learned in the past for us as doctors, continuous education is very important. It is also for our staff as well. Yeah, continue to learn and to improve their skills or knowledge is only going to benefit you and your patients. Absolutely, absolutely. And I also think that orthodontists need to be teaching out on the clinic floor all the time. I, whenever I have time, I try to explain to my assistant, you know why I am doing something or asking them to do something. You know, I want them to be able to look at the cases and the way that I do and to be able to identify the next step. I do the same thing. Makes them nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I do the same. I do the same thing. You kind of can put them on the spot a little bit, but they they tend to eventually start to get the hang of it. The parents love to see it too. When I've got an assistant, I say, look, okay, let's look at this tooth here. You know, we're going to put a step bend here because look at this marginal ridge height and do you see this here? Oh yeah, I see that there. And the mom's sitting on the bench thinking like, whoa, they're really getting into my son's case here and uh, <laughs> you know, digging into it. But it saves, I feel like, a tremendous amount of my time when I can get the assistance understanding kind of the why behind what we're doing. Absolutely. So important. Have you ever had, a, had an assistant put a wire in upside down? You've you put steps in? <laughs> Unfortunately. Disaster waiting to happen. More than once. Yes, it yeah. happens to all of us. So if they have the knowledge about why we do steps and what they're for, you know, because you may bend a wire and actually lay it on the table upside down. They pick it up, pop in the mouth, patient comes back a month later, and then two incisors are intruded a millimeter. Yep. And you're, you're, you're behind four months. So the assistant who knows why steps are made can kind of back you up to make sure the wire is put in properly and doing what it's supposed to do. I think there's maybe a reluctance on the part of doctors. Maybe they feel like that's their proprietary knowledge or I don't know, but you know, most of the practices that I've visited that are really firing on all cylinders have these kind of superstar assistants that think and act almost like orthodontists. Exactly. You have a couple, I have a couple. Do you find that there's more variability in terms of the training of clerical team members because of different software systems or because of different front office procedures or financial policies? I mean, that's been kind of the challenge that we've had in creating our material is, is make material that fits most situations. And, you know, so we don't get into specifics of software programs, for example, or even specific systems like Invisalign. We teach what clear liners are, what they're for, kind of basics. But as far as training for specific manufacturers' appliances, we do that to the manufacturers. Right. They, they know what a forces is. They know basically how to put it in the mouth. But to have a video about how to use a forces and all that, 3M's got some great videos. When you're hiring a new team member and bringing them on, what do you try to communicate to them about culture or values? We've talked a lot today about the mechanics of their job and the kind of nuts and bolts, but how do you create in your employee that customer service or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve from a culture standpoint? You know, part of it is when you're interviewing them, you, you want to have them in the office on a working day so they can see the environment and, and ask them point blank, is this something you can do and can contribute to? If they answer it properly, you know, you'll get a good idea of that. The other team members, they'll be judging that person for the first few months of their employment. And if they're not picking up their share, they don't have the attitude they need to have. You'll be hearing from your your team members. Right. But, you know, get them heavily involved. I think giving them purpose in life and their, in their profession. I want my team members, especially my clinical team members to feel that this is their career and this is something they can have long term. Part of the reason we created the SOA program at the AAO is to give them a credential they can pop on a business card and feel good about something they've done and completed. And, and it gives them, you know, a sense of, of belonging and importance and accomplishment. And that goes a long ways to making them an important part of your team. 
we want to be part of the profession. That's one thing that the doctor I bought the practice from said. He said, take your team to meetings periodically because it helps for them to understand that they're part of a broader profession, that there are other offices out there facing the same challenges and that they're part of this bigger collective of, of orthodontics and not just this little you know, narrow kingdom of, of your office. <laughs> Sure. That's a great point. Well, Doug, this has been really interesting and informative. We're going to jump in with our Elevate Express 8. We'll have eight quick questions to finish off, and we'll get some quick answers from you. How's that sound? Sounds great. What is your go-to treatment for full-step class twos? Herbs appliance. All right. What's your standard retention protocol? Standard retention protocol is Essex up retainers and bonded lower 3-3 retainers. Who are your role models or mentors? Number one is my father. My father taught me how to work hard. What's your favorite orthodontic product or instrument? Something that you wouldn't want to practice without? Um, Invisalign. Invisalign. I think that's a good one. What's the best vacation you've ever taken? Oh, if you haven't done this yet, Lance, go to New Zealand. Incredible. Yeah, I went when I was, I think, four or five years old with my family, but of course I have no memory of it, so I'd love to get back there. <laughs> it's a great place. I've been there a few times. It's, just, it's wonderful. What's one great book that you've read recently? Well, I'm not a big reader, but what I have read recently is, is a book by Dino Watts on managing relationships in your personal relationships and your practice. I think I've read that as well. Dino Watt is yes. a, it's a good, it's a good book. What bracket system are you currently using? I'm gradually getting away from metal brackets. I use the Clarity as our primary system, but I, I do a lot of incognito braces as well, legal braces. We use SmartClip for metal braces, SmartClip. And what is one area of orthodontics that you would like to learn more about in 2018? You're going to laugh, but TMJ. Is that becoming part of your practice? Uh, yeah, there's apparently a, a good need for it. Also, sleep apnea. That's, that's something that's a big topic right now, and, and I think that's important that we all learn about sleep apnea and, and how it can affect our patients and, and our treatment outcomes and patients' growth and development. And I think it's super important that all of us learn that and, and bring it into our practice. Great. Well, Doug, if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about trapezia, what's the best way to do that? The best way to learn about trapezio is to go to our website, trapezio.com. That's T-R-A-P-E-Z-I-O.com. Learn more about the courses. You can even sign up online as well. It's really easy. And then if you want a personal information from me, you can email me at dougd at trapezio.com. Well, Doug, I want to thank you again for taking the time coming on the show, uh, sharing this with us. It's been a lot of fun, and, and I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And that's another episode. I want to thank Dr. DePew for being our guest today. I also want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Burleson Seminars. Check out their team leader boot camp at burlesontraining.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.